When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr El gallo de oro Lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision Crimes, presented by Euphoria. You were telling me that there were new developments in the case of the cousins. Yesterday, the first autopsy was performed, but the results were not satisfactory. They couldn't determine what killed them. Why didn't you publish me? Because last night, the board of directors called me at home. They told me they don't want anything else related to demons, to possessions, to satanic rites, nothing. They don't want anything that could offend any religion. Three disposable syringes and two hypodermic needles. Right, all three used. Shouldn't we have found needle marks if it was an overdose? According to the coroner, it would be impossible to find them because of the state of the skin. As for the overdose, it should have come out in the first autopsy. They're going to do a second autopsy with samples that were sent to another lab. There are people who are behind this case who try to find a rational explanation for everything, but the truth is that there is none. What happened with the bodies? Can you explain it to me? Stop, stop! Okay, let's talk straight. I see where you're going. I have no idea what you think happened there, but I don't want to know either. The only thing I'm interested in is you getting out of here with all this nonsense and wasting my time. And so how does the case continue? And could such a passionate relationship in the face of the rejection of the outside world have led them to suicide? Our guess is negative. There was no suicide. Dr. Casal, this is Dr. Barrio Canal. Oh, how are you, doctor? Has anything happened? I'm bothering you because I read the autopsy reports performed by Flores, and I have the answer. What? Have you ever heard of the Black Mamba? Euphoria presents Paranormal Crimes, where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins, an original series by Euphoria Podcast.
Warning. The following story is based on a true case with dramatic scenes created from the events and exclusive statements of its protagonists. Some of the identities and situations have been changed. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, we recommend you do so first and then come back so you don't miss any details. And always remember to listen until the last breath. Episode 5 of 8 The Way of the Snake In the harsh light of his laboratory, the necropapaloscopic expert, Ricardo Mitre, opens the jars containing the hands of the cousins, severed at the wrists in the morgue. With cold skill, he removes them from the formaldehyde that preserves them and places them on the marble table. First Irma's, then Claudia's, while he records the whole operation. First of all, the epidermal tips of the fingers of both hands are being detached and cut. With a scalpel and a swift maneuver, the expert goes around to the fingertips of each finger, cutting the epidermis, detaching 20 ovals of putrefied skin that he carefully cleans and spreads on a metal tray. After undergoing an exhaustive hydromechanical cleaning, the subject to physiochemical alignment in order to obtain the correct turgidity. With death movements, mechanized by routine, he flattens the pieces of skin and makes sure they're staying rigidly in place. Then, with a roller, he carefully inks each segment. Using them like a stamp, he presses them onto a sheet of paper, each in a predetermined numbered space. Now, I'm proceeding to ink them directly in order to copy them to the fingerprint record and compare them with the fingerprints provided by the National Registry of Persons. Under a large illuminated magnifying glass, the expert compares the prints obtained with the fingerprints on the victim's IDs. With a dissecting needle, he follows the maze of each print, looking for the exit that confirms that the bodies found in the bathtub do indeed belong to Irma and Claudia, the cousins. The calm of the laboratory contrasts with the chaos of the courtroom. How many people are going to be at the meeting? Uh, I, I, I have no idea. Didn't the doctor tell you? I, I didn't ask. We'll, we'll ask now. Okay. Thank you, Betty, for coming to help. Well, I do it for Casal. The courtroom atmosphere is usually bubbling with gossip and unofficial commentary. But today, it's practically on fire. Rumors echo through the halls, reaching every nook and cranny. Someone has found the key to solving the cousin's crime. Doctor. Yes? Is Dr. Barrio Canal coming alone? Uh, no idea, but I believe so. Well, I'll leave one more just in case. Will you need anything else? No, that's fine. Perfect, Betty. Thank you so much. In another part of the city, Turco, in his apartment, 
takes down from the wall the photos and notes he's accumulated about the case. Without even looking at them, he puts them in a shoebox destined to add to his dusty personal archive. He feels that it's all been in vain, that he's gotten nothing out of the case, except the assurance that he's getting old and that the world he used to write for has long since ceased to be interested in his articles. Helplessness convinces him that it's time to leave the case behind, and perhaps journalism as well. But not everyone is as discouraged. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. At that very moment, cracked brown loafers paired with flashy yellow socks bound up the front steps with energetic strides. How are you today? They're worn by a short, thick man in a brown suit with black stripes, unmatching suspenders, and a large mustache that hides his mouth. His sparse hair tries to cover an obvious bald spot, and thick Coke bottle glasses make his eyes look distant and tiny. As he crosses the courthouse, he's followed by whispers, which the man receives with pride, but pretends not to hear. Excuse me? In the elevator, a female court clerk can't take her eyes off him. He smiles at her seductively, and his mustache stretches like a cat waking up. Lucio is waiting for him on the third floor. Dr. Barrio Canal? The last one standing in the entire country. There was another one living in the countryside, but he died a long time ago. You are not Casal, I assume. No, no, I'm Lucio, his secretary. Nice to meet you. Come on, it's this way. Lucio? Lucio Vero? Who on the banks of the Danube would bathe his memories of... I suppose you knew that Lucius is the brother of Marcus Aurelius. Oh, sure, of course. Uh, please, after you. My dear doctor, how are you? Now, you are Casal. <laughs> That's correct. Nice to see you again. When did we first meet? August 1986, in the Mastro case under Judge Ferrassa. Ah, of course, that's where. What a memory. Memory is fundamental. And truth to be told, I don't know if I became a doctor because I had a good memory, or if becoming a doctor led me to develop one. Are we going to stay here, or shall we go somewhere else? Uh, no, no, no. Here is okay. Let's talk here, if that's okay with you. Uh, yes, of course. That's fine. Would you like a coffee, doctor? You've only got coffee? Well, no, we have tea. Excellent. If I drink too much coffee, I can't sleep and I become a matter of state. <laughs> doctor, please, would you like to take a seat? I appreciate that. Thank you. I know we're all in a rush and that especially in cases like these, time is of the essence. That's correct. And I'm not going to take up too much of your time, I promise. Thank you, doctor. Here you go, doctor. Sweetener? Sure, I'll get it. Cases like these are the ones that come into our lives in order to challenge us. They are the cases that I call laterals. Laterals. Here you go, doctor. Thank you. Cases in which one must develop an unconventional way of thinking in order to arrive to an answer. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, is the kid staying? Uh, yes, yes, of course. He's aware of everything, doctor. Please continue. Well... As soon as I heard about it in the news, the case grabbed my attention. I can imagine. 
There was something that had a familiar sound to it, a hint of a story I had already lived. I see. From that moment on, I began to look into it more and more until I found the key. The key? Well, I'm listening. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Yes, of course. Among his many works also wrote The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Have you read it? The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Maybe I have read it, but I don't remember. April 1883, London. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson receive a young Helen Stoner who asks them for their help because of the immense tragedy that has befallen her family. Mm -hmm. I see. Her sister died mysteriously in a room which was locked from the inside without any apparent cause. The doctors couldn't figure anything out, but Holmes discovered it. Please go on, doctor. I'm very intrigued by what you're getting at. Once at the young lady's house, Holmes meets the stepfather and immediately senses that he is suspicious. For that reason, he asks to start by checking his room first. Logical. That is how he discovers a small hole in the wall. Mm -hmm covered, hidden, that connects to the dead girl's room. Hmm. Holmes understands that the stepfather must have used that hole as a means for the crime. But how did he do it? It was too small a space for a hand with a gun to squeeze through, but enough room for a black mamba to fit through. The snake? Right. But not just any snake. One whose poison is so lethal that it allows the stepfather to secure a bigger slice of the inheritance. In this case, the motive for the crime was the inheritance. In yours, uh, I don't know. I understand. You suggest then that the cousins were bitten by a snake? I'm suggesting that they died from snake poisoning. Doctor, I imagine that you had access to the case and have already read the autopsy reports, and that's how you reached this conclusion. Is that correct? Absolutely. I read the first autopsy report, and I'm aware that you're waiting for the second one. Flores's first autopsy was quite complete, but inaccurate. Not because of Flores, of course. He is an absolute master in his field. The issue is with the state of decomposition of the bodies. Why did they rot like that? You see, how is it possible that two women who die on a Friday on Sunday appear to have decayed for months? How can you explain that? Doctor, it's Mitri the expert. He's on the phone. Um, uh, please put him through to the meeting room. Uh, excuse me, doctor. I'll be right back. Lucia, come sure, with me. Sure, no problem. Yes, doctor. Please prepare another cup of tea for the gentleman, Betty. Oh, Betty. Betty, Mary, Peggy, Julie. Aren't you one of the blondes from New York? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Where did this guy come from? He doesn't stop talking. He's like a radio. I think Mitre should already have the results by now. If he can confirm that it's them, please ask Benitez to authorize the family for the burial of the bodies. Well, but... What if it's not them? How are you, Mitre? I'm all ears. How are you, Judge? Well, I'm going to submit the expert report. Yes, please, go ahead. 
motive for the expertise to provide identity to the victims by obtaining and comparing their fingerprints. Yes. The material received consisted of a pair of packed and labelled human hands, having gone through an emphysematous period at the time of receipt, with partially detached epidermis and nails. Uh huh. Continue. It has been concluded that, taking all technical considerations into account, Casal, for the first time so far in this case, closes his eyes and begs the universe not to give this maze another twist. It can be established beyond any shadow of a doubt that the hands are identified as belonging to Irma Giron and Claudia Fernandez. The judge breathes a sigh of relief. Had the prints not matched, the case would have faced an infinite abyss. Yes. Thank you, Mitre. Good job, thank you. At your service. Following Casal's instructions, Lucio contacts Commissioner Benitez so that he can arrange for the bodies to be delivered to their families, and maybe now they can finally rest in peace. Castillo. Commissioner. Well, uh, it's time to talk to the families. Can they be released now? Yeah. Shall I file the report? Please, and hand it over personally. Roger that. You are hereby notified that the mortal remains of Claudio Fernandez and Irma Hiron, who in life were Claudio Fernandez and Irma Hiron, currently housed in the judicial morgue of the hospital of Vicente Lopez, are at your disposal so that they may be provided with Christian burial. Tortico takes down the last photo from the wall and puts it with the rest of the materials in the cardboard box, which he labels with a marker, the mystery of the cousins. He brings a small ladder to a bookshelf and climbs up to put the box next to the others that have been gathering dust for years on the top shelf. Silently, he reads the titles, The Seer's Crime, Portals in the Senate of the Nation, The Suicide of the Virgin of Umbanda, Torco has spent so many years investigating each of these cases, subjects that reveal themselves to him and that everyone else insists on ignoring. Now, like his life, they seem destined to be tucked away in a corner, like a replica of the newspaper archive, out of everyone's sight except his own, to remind him of his every frustration. Coming, I'm coming. Tired, Turco leaves the box on the stairs and goes to answer the phone. Who's this? You're crazy! How are you gonna disappear like that with the information I have? What are you doing, Ruiz? Do you know everything that's going on? The cousins, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the cousins, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna follow the case anymore. I've already quit. Are you crazy now? Mario Canales showed up and he's with Casal right now. Andres Barrio Canal? Yes, he brought a pretty concrete tip. Does, does, does he have any clues? No, he doesn't have any clues. He's got the answer. Relieved by the news of the identities of the bodies, Judge Cassell returns to his chambers. He secretly expects to open the door and find Barrio Canal teaching Betty how to tango. But no, they just talk. 
<laughs> no, no, I stand corrected. I took that trip with my second wife, with Stella. <laughs> Sorry to keep you waiting, Dr. Barrio Canal. Urgent matters. Well, if you'll excuse me. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Betty. We can catch up later. <laughs> Doctor, so you were telling me. It was about them, wasn't it? The bodies of the cousins? Uh, yes, right. Thank goodness it was them. Of course. You came back with a more relaxed frown. And why would anybody call Mitri if not to identify a corpse? Exactly. So please go on. You were talking to me about the possibility that the death of the cousins may have been caused by the venom of a snake. I specified that it was that of a black mamba. Very few snakes have that kind of lethality. And how do you think it happened, Doctor? How were they poisoned? Barrio Canal stands up and walks across Cassell's office to the wall with the case map. According to conversations I had with some colleagues who work on the treatment of malignant tumors with snake venoms, they could have been bitten or directly injected by someone, using, for example, the syringes you found. Excuse me. Yeah, come in. The commissioner has already drawn up the report to hand over the bodies to the family, and they're going to notify them. Perfect, thank you. Doctor, please continue. You may be wondering, why would Dr. Baryakonal link these deaths to a snake? Exactly. And I don't have the answer. <laughs> Science has it. Studies on mice have shown that with the right dose, the venom of the black mamba produces a violent acceleration of the putrefaction of the corpse. With a medium to strong dose, the victim dies within minutes, and in less than 48 hours, the body appears as decomposed as these. Baru Canal taps the photos of the women in the bathtub with his thick gold ring. Then he pulls out two copies of a report he's written with his detailed theory from his worn briefcase and lays them on the judge's desk. I understand that all this is news to you, but take your time to read it. I'm speaking from experience. Mario Canal closes his briefcase, takes his coat from Lucio, and with an affected bow, bids farewell. Lucio Vero, grazie mille! Thank you for listening to me, Doctor. I remain at your complete disposal. Thank you, Doctor. Mario Canal's departure seems to leave the judge's office in a thick silence. Casal opens the report, leafs through it superficially and thinks, while Lucio waits expectantly for his reaction. Finally, he closes the folder with a sigh and hands it to Lucio. Send a copy to Benitez and call the lab so they can add snake poison to the syringe tests, as well as to the second autopsy. Okay, right away. Betty? Yes, Doctor? Please get me in touch with the National Laboratory Administration. We need to search all the serpentariums in Buenos Aires, as well as the rest of the country. Okay. Doctor, are you really considering this option as possible? We're going to follow every lead we have. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number five. I asked Barrio Canal who introduced it and why. The logical question in the preliminary investigation, who does it benefit and why does it benefit him? The theory of the Black Mamba opened up an infinite amount of hypotheses. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. 
Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado. Y esa es mi mala fortuna. Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo, llega Univision, el gallo de oro. Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte a quien ella quiera. Estás tardando en conquistarla. Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa. Este gallo está cambiando la vida. En una historia legendaria de amor y azar. No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr. El gallo de oro, lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision. Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. Name? Ana Maria Fernandez. Relationship? M mother. Name? Dario Tojo. Relationship? Boyfriend. Well, the mortal remains of Claudio Fernandez and Irma Giron, who in life were Claudio Fernandez and Irma Giron, are being handed over for the Christian burial. Listen. That's it. Anna Maria, that's it. It's over. Where do I sign? Here and here. The girls' families receive the bodies at the morgue accompanied by Deputy Inspector Castillo, who tries to hide the deep relief he feels at never having to see those bodies again. The stretcher bearers load the coffins into the ambulance that will take them to their final destination, the cemetery. But the bodies are not complete. Some parts have been left in the court lab, where at this very moment, Further analysis is being conducted to determine the cause of the deaths. Entrails, fluids, and tissue samples stored in jars for forensic study. Excuse me, doctor. Yes? The court just called and they're going to send the report shortly. But they asked to add something else to the second autopsy. They want us to check for a snake venom. What? Who asked for that? Casal directly. They seem to know something. Forensic scientist Lagans, in charge of the second necropsy, jots down the new order and looks at the samples that'll have to re-examine. The same thing happens at the Scientific Analysis Center, where the needles and syringes must also be retested. In his office, Judge Cassell, standing in front of the map of the case, tries to give credence to the Black Mamba theory, while Lucio reads Barrio Canal's report. The Black Mamba is characterized as one of the most venomous species on the African continent, being found in countries such as the Congo, Ethiopia, Uganda, Zambia. Yada, yada, yada. How did one get to Buenos Aires? I, I don't think it's possible. Please go on. Okay, it's one of the longest African snakes. An adult specimen measures two and a half meters and can reach four and a half meters. Poison, poison. Look for something about poison. Okay, poison. Ah, the, the poison is lethal. 
It contains very potent neurotoxins and cardiotoxins that act at high speed, affecting both the nervous and cardiac systems. With each bite, the mamba is capable of injecting 100 milligrams of venom, the lethal dose for an adult male being only 10 or, or 15 milligrams. Excuse me. Come in. Well, I did some research and there is indeed a black mamba in the country. What? Where? At the Veterinarian Institute, stuffed more than 20 years ago. <sighs> I don't think they're going to get much poison out of that one. Anything else, Betty? Well, and from what I've been told, there is no chance of getting one in the country either. When there's a will, there's a way. The judge's mind tries to cross-reference data that whirls around like a hurricane, a tempest of possibilities that torment him. The Black Mamba theory seems far-fetched, but the whole case, from the beginning, is a sum of events that don't stand up to any logical reasoning. What about Benitez? Any news from him? Commissioner Benitez has his entire team scouring the city for snake shops, veterinarians, pet shops. They've made dozens of calls and several raids, but so far... Unit 3653, raid on Evelineta Avenue. 3653, I'm listening. They can't find the snake's path. Negative. No serpent of any kind. Receive 3653. Were you able to check everything without a problem? Affirmative. We're proceeding to the following address. Right. Get me informed. Benitez grunts in frustration. None of this is making any sense. He adjusts his glasses and with resignation continues to read the report Casal just sent him. Now a snake. What else was this case missing? The author of the report, Barrio Canal, walks away from the courthouse with his particular eccentricity towards the parking lot where he left his car. As he reaches his red coupe with a black fiber roof, he encounters an old acquaintance. Andres Barrio Canal, do you remember me? My name's Turco. Of course I remember you. You didn't have gray hair or those dark circles under your eyes, but I think you wore the same jacket. Sure. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? How's your life? Did you win that Pulitzer? Yes, uh, I did actually. <laughs> but the day was delivered, I had to go to the dentist and I couldn't pick it up. Uh, these things happen. I heard that you solved the cousin's case. So they say. Was it black mamba poison? It's all in the report that is already in the hands of the judge. Look, I'm not here as a journalist. I'm not interested in publishing it. I just want to know what happened. Did they inject them? Did they throw the snake in there? Or did it get into the pipes by itself? I don't know. In order to be able to make any comments, I would have to see the place myself. I was there. I can describe it perfectly. Thank you, but... Um... I'm afraid I don't have the time. I think your theory is good, but it has some flaws. <laughs> so you're a herpetologist and expert on black mambas now? No expert, but I know that the poison acts effectively because the poison gland immediately passes into the victim's bloodstream through the lymphatic system. Toxic enzymes are located at the point of connection between the nerves and muscles, inhibiting neurotransmitters. Gradually, the body begins to fall into a muscular paralysis that 
culminates in cardiorespiratory arrest, just as the first autopsy said. Right. But Mamba poison never has an instant effect. It is foreshadowed by an itching and tingling at the fingertips, then on the lips and forehead, and from there it begins to spread throughout the body. Until several minutes later, death arrives. Your theory makes sense because it explains several things, mainly the accelerated decomposition, but how do you explain that neither of the two cousins tried getting help? Or at least crawled into the hallway. And why do you think that is? Because someone or something interfered. Can you spare two minutes? You got a drink? So, what can I get for you? Coffee, please. Make it too, Hatano. Well, tell me, what do you think happened? Well, you say they died because of the poison, but look. Torco takes the crime scene photos out of a paper envelope and spreads them out on the bar table. Barrio Canal already knows them. He looks at them without showing any curiosity. They were both struck down, with certain particularities. The younger one was naked and the older one half-dressed. Thinking about your theory, let's suppose that the younger one was taking a bath when suddenly from the pipe a snake appears. The younger one starts screaming, calling for help, and the older cousin, who was changing in the other room, ran to help her but also got bitten by the snake. Both fell under the poison sleep-inducing effects and stayed there in the bathtub without calling for help until they died. That doesn't seem strange to you. I am interested in hearing you out. So, there was a third party involved? Do you know the story of Frank Fisher? Enlighten me. Frank Fisher was a Canadian anthropologist and ethnobotanist at the Harvard Botanical Museum. A few years ago, in 1982, he was entrusted with a mission in Haiti where very strange things happened. Several people appeared alive after years of being buried. The living dead. He called it zombification. He spent many months in Haiti studying the phenomenon until he met some voodoo sorcerers who gave him the answer. It's a potion. They administer in a ritual capable of dominating people's wills. They say it penetrates the skin and reaches the soul. With this drug, the person loses all ability to respond with his or her body and is subjected to whatever the priest orders. I see. And what kind of drug did they use? The priest combines the toxin secreted by a local toad placed in the presence of a pufferfish inside a jar. The toad's fear makes it release a sweat that, administered in certain doses, kills specific neurons, depriving anyone of their will, creating an army of zombies. So you believe that the Black Mamba and the cousins were part of a ritual? I think the cousins were the offering. Surely now Casal is looking with all federal police for snakes and all the veterinarians, but he won't find what he's looking for there. These things are found in the swampy depths of the healers, sorcerers, witches, and cult sacrifices such as voodoo, umbanda, kimbanda, or candomblé. This was a work of black magic. Excuse me, here's the two coffees. On your tab, Turco? Please. Yes. Mario Canal seems to be pondering, looking out the window, tugging at his mustache. 
Then he turns back. Look, Turco, can I call you that? Sure. Have you ever been to Istanbul? No, I haven't had the pleasure. Okay. Listen, when I started working as a forensic scientist, at the age of 26, the first case I was assigned to was that of two brothers, one more bloodthirsty than the other. The wife of one of them was unfaithful, and the two brothers decided to take revenge on her. Now what did they do? I can tell you, it was the most macabre thing I have seen in my 30 years as a professional. Mario Canal takes a sip of coffee and lets a moment pass with a strange gesture. You can see on his face that he doesn't like to talk about it. When I finally solved the case, I had discovered that human beings can become sadistic, averted, dark torturers, and I learned that these monsters are everywhere. And it doesn't take a great chimera for a deranged madman to take a needle and poison two innocent women. I understand that you think that behind all of this, there is a plan drawn up by crisscrossing conspiracies and diabolical entities that try to dominate the planet from the shadows. But my participation in this case is simply scientific. It is merely a contribution to justice. Was it with a black mamba? of the two brothers. Barrio Canal reaches into his briefcase and pulls out a folder, just like the ones he left for Casal. If it's of any use to you and as a courtesy for the coffee. Here, this is what science says. Across the Formica table, he unveils a copy of his report, pushing the photos of the bodies. Use it as you deem fit, but don't count on my help to go out hunting witches. Barrio Canal looks back down the street and takes another sip of coffee. By the way, have you ever tried the coffee down at the courthouse? If not, don't. Without waiting for Turco to respond, Barrio Canal finishes his coffee and stands up. This one here is pretty decent, which doesn't mean that I'm in Colombia dancing the Vallenato. <laughs> but at least it has some sort of flavor. Well, good luck, Mr. Journalist. Turco watches him leave the bar, then looks at the report. He hesitates to open it wondering if what the science says won't lead him down the blind alley again. This is Commissioner Benitez, I'm listening. Unit 4352. 4352, I copy you. We found something. 4352, repeat. We found... 4352, repeat, please. Repeat. I repeat, we found something. Court, good afternoon. Judge, Benitez found someone. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. 
Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado. Y esa es mi mala fortuna. Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo, llega Univisión, el gallo de oro. Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte a quien ella quiera. ¿Estás tardando en conquistarla? Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa. Este gallo me está cambiando la vida. En una historia legendaria de amor y azar. No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr. El gallo de oro, lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univisión. Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. Evening light illuminates the window of a pet store specializing in reptiles. Inside, a wall displays shelves filled with glass aquariums that simulate different natural habitats. Inside them, iguanas, lizards, and turtles doze under the light that warms each container. In the last aquariums, near the back of the store, Three thick snakes slowly coil their scaly rings. Excuse me. Hello? Hello? Hello. Everything all right, officer? Out of the back room comes a well-groomed young man in a white apron, removing latex gloves. How are you? Commissioner Benitez. Nice to meet you. Hello. You're the owner of this shop? Yes. Mr. Roberto Medina? Yes, that's right. Mr. Medina, this is a warrant to search the pet shop. Come on, get in. What? No, wait. What is this? What is going on? Take over there. One to the back. I want a picture of everything. Go, 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 go. Castillo, there are the snakes. Are there more snakes at the back? No, what are you talking about? What's going on? I'm going to have to ask you to come with me for interrogation, Mr. Medina. This way. No, wait. I demand an explanation. It's a mistake. What is this all about? Please, tell me what's happening. In a small garage on the south side of town, in the home of a relative of the cousins, a modest wake has been improvised. Friends, neighbors, and people nearby surround the closed coffins, in which they've laid inexpensive wreaths of flowers. The parish priest of the neighborhood tries to console those present. As the Gospel of St. John says, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Outside Jesus the garage, two hearses are waiting. Anna Maria, Claudia's mother, mother, weeps inconsolably, while beside her, Dario Tojo, Irma's boyfriend, tries to console her. It's time to say goodbye to the remains that will be taken to the local cemetery. May God receive Irma and Claudia in glory. Meanwhile, in the same courtroom where a few days ago Tojo gave his testimony, Commissioner Benitez now smokes while keeping an eye on Roberto Medina, the young veterinarian who still doesn't understand what he's doing there. I demand to call my lawyer. He's coming. Be patient. At least explain to me what's going on. The courtroom door opens to reveal Judge Casal, who enters with Barrio Canal's report and a small tape recorder. He's followed by a court attorney to witness the questioning. Casal gets right to the point. Medina, I'm Dr. Casal, the judge in charge of the case, and I'm going to need to ask you some questions. Everything is going to be recorded here for later transcription, and you will be able to sign it. Is that all right? I demand a lawyer. The doctor here will act as your court-appointed attorney. Now let's begin. Did you know Claudio Fernandes? No. 
Irma Hiron. No. Are you aware of the case of the cousins in the bathtub? No, I haven't heard anything. Oh, come on, it wasn't on the newspapers. I don't buy newspapers. Don't write you either? Okay, okay, Benitez. Well, never mind. You don't know the case? No, I don't know of it. Okay, fine. You work with snakes, correct? Right. I have a veterinary clinic specializing in reptiles. Do you work with snakes among the reptiles? Yes. I study the immunochemical reactivity between serums from different species of snakes. And within the snakes, do you work with black mambas? <laughs> no, impossible, no. There aren't any. They don't exist here. And do you work or have you ever worked with any similar snakes? Well, with yarara, rattlesnakes, uh, coral snakes. They are all deadly, but none like the mamba. And have you recently worked with any of these poisonous ones? No. The last time was 15 years ago. While Medina is under interrogation, in his reptile shop, Sub-Inspector Castillo receives the toxicology expert, who arrives with the mission to corroborate if the snakes present are poisonous. Where are they? On the last shelf, there are three. Are they the only ones in the whole place? Affirmative, the only three. Excuse me. Just in case, ask your men to move away. In the center of the city, Turco wanders around, resisting the urge to go home. He knows he'll find nothing but frustration there. And the conversation with Barrio Canal only left him with a bitter taste. He's convinced that the cousins didn't die because of a simple accident, and that the case hides more than a possible crime. But he also knows that he was right to keep everything in a box. No one's going to help him solve the riddle, and he's not going to find the answer on his own. Without thinking too much about it, he boards a bus that will take him to the last station of the case. At the Police Scientific Analysis Center, the analyst in charge of the forensic studies of the needles and syringes already has the results and calls the court to advance the conclusions to the judge. Judge Castle is busy at the moment, but I can receive the result. Well, as requested, I proceeded in the first instance to work on the three syringes and the two needles using organic solvents. Noted. The extracts obtained were destined to characterization reaction, tending to establish the possible presence of alkaloids, anesthetics, barbiturates, amphetamines, neurotoxins, or toxicants derived from serpents. Okay. And the result? Meanwhile, in the interrogation room, Judge Cassell scrutinizes the young veterinarian's movements. He seems nervous, but incapable of being involved in such a macabre act with poisonous snakes. Okay, so tell me, Medina, has anyone approached you at the store in the last few weeks asking about snake poisons? No. What happens is that I work directly with the laboratories. Individuals usually bring me turtles. That's the most violent thing. Turtles, huh? Uh, excuse me. Commissioner Benitez goes out into the hallway to talk to Deputy Inspector Castillo. He confirms that the three snakes found in the pet shop are not poisonous, but simply harmless snakes. Uh, thank you for the information. It is impossible for someone to have poisonous snakes here. It is very legislated. And besides, they are very difficult to climatize. 
I understand, but to enter them illegally... Doctor, can I have a word with you? Marina, excuse me. Benitez and Casal move a few feet down the hallway, and the commissioner gives him his report on the reptile shop. None of the animals are anywhere near dangerous. Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number five. This is an intrusion of the federal police. They get to that place because, ultimately, when Barrio Canal outlines this theory, they start looking for who, how, and where this issue occurs. Then they arrive at a veterinarian in the neighborhood of Devoto, who produced serum. The man was perfectly legitimate, authorized, with all the credentials necessary to perform this task. So, totally discarded. Veterinarian Roberto Medina is released, though outraged and upset by the situation. Casal orders a patrol car to take him back to his shop. Now alone in the interrogation room, Casal and Benitez look at each other in silence, realizing that they're getting further and further away from a solution to the case. Lucio appears through the door with some papers in his hand and a discouraging look on his face. All right, in the results of the syringes and needles, there are no alkaloids, anesthetics, barbiturates, amphetamines, neurotoxins, or any type of serpent-derived toxin. The only thing found was an over-the-counter drug to treat varicose veins, ulcers, and hemorrhoids. Well, there goes the suicide theory. I mean, we all agree that this is no longer normal, right? I mean, I, I, I never had to go out and look for a poisonous snake. This was a domestic accident. We need the second expert to prove it. There is no other option. What time was forensic examiner Lagan supposed to have the results? Three hours ago. And why hasn't he sent them? I, I don't know. I, I haven't spoken to him. Would you please call him right now and put him through to me urgently? Lucio runs to carry out the order. In the cemetery, in the southern part of the city, with the last lights of the cold autumn day, Dario Tojo, Ana Maria, and the rest of the family members carry the coffins to the respective graves, which open their dark mouths. A little further away, among some rickety trees, Torco watches the scene. He also came to say goodbye. As the sun finishes sinking, the modest coffins also descend to their final resting places, and the shovelfuls of earth begin to cover them. Torco looks at Toho, at the relatives, and from afar pities them. But at last, those bodies will no longer suffer the unworthy desecrations of the forensic experts. While the lights of the cemetery are turned on, and the relatives walk away amidst muffled cries, a soft drizzle begins to fall. Torco, in the distance, stands alone, next to a street light, under the rain thinking that everything ends here, but night also comes to the courthouse. Hello. It Lagans, he's on line nine. Thank you, I'll take it. Lagans. Doctor, how are you? Well, not very well. I've been waiting for the results since this afternoon. What's going on? Well, the situation is more complicated than I thought. The thing is, we couldn't evaluate anything. Not even the monoxide or the poison? Nothing. But why? What's going on? The hearts. 
the hearts are gone. This has been Paranormal Crimes, where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins. Scenes from the next episode. Today they should have presented the results of the second autopsy, but they couldn't do it. Do you know why? No, please, Turco, don't say anything. The hearts of the two victims, they disappeared. They were stolen. I can't believe it. But how can that be? Is what you're telling us official? What do we have? Nothing good. We have been analyzing with my team the reports of Dr. Lagans and Dr. Graziano. And in conclusion, we are gonna need something more concrete. What do you mean? That without the bodies, I can't do anything. I'm gonna need you to exhume them. Mr. Burgess, Bias, tell him what you've just told me. Come on, tell him. I went to get the samples from the morgue at the Vicente Lopez Hospital. I brought them here, and as I had to wait to register them, I sat in the sun for a while and fell asleep. When I woke up, I went to look for them, and then I ran into him and told me that he had thrown them away and we went running to the garbage to rescue them. Please tell me this is all a lie. And the hearts? That's true. They were eaten by the dogs. The ones rooting around in the garbage. Okay, that's it. Loggins, issue a report for negligence to all the laboratory personnel and suspect these two employees and their entire chain of command indefinitely. Benitez, call Deputy Inspector Castillo urgently. Have the bodies of the victims exhumed right away. I want Raffo to have them in his lab tonight. This ends today. Benitez, I need you to confirm something for me. Yeah, tell me, doctor. The bathroom. The bathtub. They had cleaned it, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, it was a team of firefighters. They clean and disinfected everything. And the tub was emptied? Absolutely. I was just in the bathroom. And the bathtub is full of cadaverous fauna. Paranormal Crimes. Produced by Plataforma Sound Stories. Original production for Euphoria Podcast. Presented by Euphoria. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr 
El Gallo de Oro, lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univisión.